Well, every year we tell the Christmas story. You know, it just, it just occurred to me this year that the real Christmas story, the whole thing, is probably not suitable for small children, uh, unless you're going to get ready to explain virgin births and spirits materializing and scaring people half to death and young parents fleeing the country so the king doesn't murder their son. Uh, this is a crazy story. It's mysterious. It's dangerous. And at the same time, wonderful as real light invades real darkness. And that's, that's Christmas. If the Old Testament is to be taken at face value, there was a, a fallen angel named Lucifer who was cast out of heaven and uh, claiming the earth as his, his domain. And then if the New Testament is to be taken literally, Jesus comes to change all that and to rescue man from the grip of hell that is on us, to save us from sin. And so if you can make that into a lifetime holiday movie that people want to watch, um, have at it. But it's a crazy story, and you need to read it every year to remind yourself about it. So that's what we're going to do now. Let's read Matthew chapter 2. And uh, on every campus, as you're watching, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to have you stand. And we're going to read about 16 of these verses uh, together from the Christmas story. Now, if you're new to reading scripture, Matthew uh, was somewhat of an outsider. He was a tax collector, which was not considered a respectable profession among Jews. And he became one of the key followers of Jesus and ended up writing one of these gospels. He did a great job. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route." When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. 
All right, be seated. Let's get comfortable for a few minutes and unpack this story. Starting with Herod the Great. Uh, This guy was the king in Jerusalem when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He's a very intelligent man. He was an astute politician. Uh, He knew how to get power and keep it. Uh, He was very well known for his massive building projects, unmatched of any of the kings of Israel other than Solomon. Uh, But he's also famous for something else. This king is as paranoid as they come. He will have no problem sending assassins to Bethlehem to take out other men's sons. This guy killed his own sons when he suspected them of, of, of trying to take his throne. He was the king of the Jews, and he was not going to give that title to anyone else. So when the Magi arrived, going on and on and on about this newborn king of the Jews, Herod was very interested in the details. And then in a meeting with Jerusalem's foremost foremost biblical experts, he learned that if a Messiah had indeed arrived, it would be nearby in Bethlehem. Go there, he told the Persians. Go to Bethlehem and find him. I want to worship him too. Well, Herod's not about to worship Jesus. He's going to try to kill him. And he's crazy to think that he could alter God's plan. But he is crazy. And uh, he's, he's so powerful. Absolute power makes you crazy. And, uh, but fortunately, um, God uh, is never stymied by the Herods of this world, crazy or not. Now, I was thinking this week about the biblical advisors that were surrounding this guy, the scholars, uh, the ones who knew scripture well enough to tell the Magi to check Bethlehem. I I find it ironic that the wise men from so far away seemed happier about the possibility of a Jewish Messiah's birth than Israel's own religious leaders. Matthew tells us that Jerusalem was not excited about the possibility of a Messiah being born. Jerusalem was disturbed, was was troubled. Even the Bible scholars, they're, they're upset by this. That doesn't make any sense. Now, if this is a true story, it has to make some sense. We have to make sense of it. And we teach it as a true story. So why weren't the Bible scholars excited? I understand why Herod is not jazzed about this. But what about the Bible scholars that had spent their whole life studying and training and learning to, to, to watch for a, a Messiah? Why, why would they be upset when someone came and told them that possibly Messiah had finally come? Well, I think it does have something to do with Herod. Uh, when you're a spiritual advisor to a paranoid, violent, narcissistic, egomaniac, um, you do everything you can to keep this guy calm. And when he goes into a, a, a tizzy, my mom used to call it a fizz. She'd say Herod was in a fizz. Um, your very survival depends upon calming this guy down before he spirals. And uh, when he does that, uh, you know, when Herod's not happy, um, nobody's happy. And when Herod's not happy, heads will roll. And if you're near him, that can be a very dangerous uh, position. And that can be troubling. However, having said that, I still think these Jewish Bible experts could have snuck out the back door or something, and uh, the, the Messiah was being born in Bethlehem. According to these magi, 
Uh, Bethlehem is seven miles away. They could sneak down and, and confirm or deny that this was true and then, and then, and then be back before Herod even missed them. Uh, wouldn't that have been their God-given duty and wouldn't that have been in their heart? But it wasn't. None of Jerusalem's Bible teachers seemed the least bit inclined to join the caravan or even go on their own in order to see if the news was true. And, and, and so it's very obvious to me that they simply did not believe. The guys who should have believed did not believe. Maybe because they hadn't thought of it first. So it couldn't possibly be true. Uh, these magi are from another religion in another country. I mean, what do they know? We are the elite leaders of Israel. Where are these guys the leaders of? Uh, Hogwarts? I mean, uh, these, are, these are magi. These are astrologers. Um, the Bible guys missed the truth because they didn't think truth could come from any other place or any other person. You know, spiritual uh, pride can absolutely blind a person. And intellectual pride is as bad as spiritual pride. Really smart people can absolutely miss it if they just don't believe they could ever be wrong. Like in 1903, when the president of the Michigan Savings Bank advised anyone against investing in the Ford Motor Company. The horse, he said. The horse is the future. The horse is here to stay. The automobile, just a fad. Or when IBM's chairman uh, decided that there's a world market for possibly, I don't know, maybe five computers at the most. Or the recording company executives who passed on signing the Beatles in 1962. We don't like their sound, they said. And guitar music is on the way out. Well, just being smart doesn't mean that you're always right. And Jerusalem was very wrong about Jesus, so they missed him at Bethlehem, thinking there's no need for us to go with the Magi to Bethlehem. Nothing important has happened there. They simply didn't believe. But do you know who did believe? Herod. Herod's faith caused him to start making some moves. Oh, he believed. He believed enough that he knew uh, that they're saying a new king of the Jews has been born nearby. All he needed to know is when and where, and then he was going to deal with it. Later, uh, a follower of Jesus, uh, the apostle John, wrote about this uh, when he said, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It was shepherds who embraced him while priests ignored him. It was magi from other countries that came to worship him while the local king prepared to murder him. John continues, However, he says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's what Christ followers celebrate at Christmas, that, 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 that in Jesus, outsiders are made into insiders. You just have to believe the story, that the believe that God came to earth on Christmas in order to save the world at Easter. So, can I ask you a question? Can I? How about in Hayward? Can I ask you guys a question? 
Okay, good. Here it is. Do you believe the Christmas story? Like, like, like what the Bible says, do you believe the Christmas story? Did it happen like the Bible said it happened? Now, before you say that, there's some kooky stuff in this story. You got angels appearing right and left. You got a virgin having a baby. You got, you know, come on. Do you believe the Christmas story? That it happened? All right. Next question. Do you understand why it happened? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why would, why would he be born as a, as a human being instead of just coming as an adult? Why, why did he do things? Why did he live about 30 years in relative anonymity? And then during that last time, leading up to, 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 that, to that death, that, that should have been considered a terrible thing. But we celebrate it as a wonderful thing. What is it about the Christ story that rings true for you? How much of it do you have to accept by faith? And then how much just it makes sense to you? All right, back to the wise men because Jesus made sense to them. And they make this this story so much more beautiful because it is crazy for God to reveal all this about Jesus to Persian magi and not to Old Testament scholars. Leave it to our God to do this. Uh, These guys are from Iraq, maybe Iran. Uh, Our best guess is that they were Zoroastrian astrologers, not Christians. Uh, It's a a religion that still exists, by the way, in the Bay Area. If you ever see this symbol anywhere in the Bay Area, it probably means that there are Zoroastrians nearby that that like to gather. And uh, most Zoroastrians in the Bay Area are Iranians. Uh, Zoroastrians, like Jews, were monotheists. What does that mean, monotheist? They believed in one God, and also they were expecting a Messiah, like the Jews were expecting a Messiah. Well, actually, the Zoroastrians were expecting three Messiahs, one coming every 1,000 years. And they felt that they were due for, for a Messiah right about at this time. And Zoroastrians believed when something important was happening on planet Earth, you would see signs in the heaven. Uh, the unpolluted night sky could be wonderful. And these were guys that slept during the day and were out at night looking at the stars and evaluating what God was doing. So, so when, when they saw the, uh, the, the planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Venus rising and coming together to merge, as they actually did during this time in history, they believed that God was giving them a sign. It was a big deal to these guys that these planets were rising to them in the West and rising over where they knew the Jews were. And they didn't view that as a coincidence. They looked into their Western sky and concluded that something was happening in Israel. Maybe the Jewish Messiah that had been foretold was being born. But then again, why would these guys be so interested in a Jewish Messiah? Well, I believe the answer to this question predates these men by 600 years, going back to some other very famous magi that lived in Babylon. A very few uh, unique group that lived at the same time, highly respected Babylonian magi, uh, six centuries earlier, Babylonian magi, but of Jewish descent. Now, you might have remembered this. You might have heard that about 600 years before Christ, give or take, uh, the residents of Judea, uh, Jerusalem had been conquered by Babylon. And Babylon's king, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, conquered the city, burned it, 
And, but instead of annihilating all of his Jewish adversaries, he took the best and the brightest back to Babylon and made them his subjects. And the, the, the smartest of the smart of the young men were enrolled in Nebuchadnezzar's university to be taught the Babylonian languages and literature. And we know four of their names. Daniel, uh, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. You may know their Babylonian names. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These four Jewish young men rose to the top of the Babylonian class. They had excelled back home in Jerusalem's finest schools. But of course, this was new curriculum, to say the least. But these kids are really sharp and really confident and very well grounded in who they were and who God was. They, they never forgot who they were. And we're told in Daniel's biography that when they were taken before the king and tested in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which Nebuchadnezzar himself questioned these young men, he found them 10 times better than all the magi in his whole kingdom. Daniel and his friends became some of Babylon's most respected magi, correctly interpreting dreams, at times bravely confronting the kings with hard-to-hear truth, uh, always fearlessly refusing to compromise their faith in God or to worship uh, other gods, which gave them legendary status that would have outlived them in this part of the world. And when they passed away, no doubt, they left their Old Testament scrolls behind. Daniel had written an entire book, his own scroll, that in chapter nine predicted exactly when the Jewish Messiah would be born. If you read Daniel chapter nine, verse 20 through 27, and you do the math, you will find yourself amazed that Daniel predicted when Messiah would appear after talking to an angel. Actually, Daniel just wrote down everything that the angel said. Uh, I won't take a whole lot of time because it gets a little complicated with these sevens and seventies and all that, but I'm gonna tell you enough to try, those of you that like to geek out on this stuff, to pique your interest, and to say, uh, here's the story. Daniel, he's praying in chapter nine, and he says in verse 21, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Now, let's stop there. What's the angel's name? Do you recognize the angel Gabriel from the Christmas story? Now, I don't know how old the angel Gabriel was in Daniel chapter 9, but the Christmas story, he's just under 600 years older, and he's still looking great. Who does he appear to in the temple? Zechariah. Read your Bible. It's, it says, I'm the angel Gabriel. I stand before the Lord. It's the same guy. The angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and tells him about John the Baptist. Who is it that appears to the Virgin Mary and says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and, 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 and you are going to be the mother of, uh, of Emmanuel, God with us. You know who that angel was? Just take a guess. Gabriel, you're absolutely right. Gabriel comes to Daniel and then God allows Gabriel to be the messenger that fulfills the prophecy that Gabriel gives to him. And here's the prophecy. No one understand this, Daniel. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Okay, 
I'll just stop there because we literally could spend the rest of the time right there. And, and there would be about 15 of you that would say that was the best Christmas Eve service ever. The rest would say he really enjoyed that part. <laughs> but I did because here's the deal. The sevens and the 62 sevens equate to years. And, and sevens is seven years. And when you add it all up, Gabriel is telling Daniel when Israel should be looking for their Messiah. And guess when Gabriel tells Daniel that Israel should be looking for their Messiah. About 30 AD, Messiah will be anointed. And what happens to Jesus at the Jordan River in 30 AD? What happens? He goes to John, he says, baptize me. And John says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And, John, and Jesus says, you need to. You don't understand. Just do it. And, and John's like, okay. And he baptizes him. When he comes up out of the water, a voice booms from heaven. This is my son. I'm pleased with him. And something like, like a dove descends and lands on Jesus' shoulder. And he is anointed for ministry. And this is when Jesus' ministry starts. Gabriel called it just under 500 years before it happened. Friend, Israel should have been looking for their Messiah. But it took Magi coming from Iran to tell the biblical scholars what was happening seven miles from their hometown. I believe these Persian wise men, wise men or wine men, whatever I just said. <laughs> Maybe I should get a drink here. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, believe, <laughs> I believe that these Persian Magi most likely, most likely studied Daniel's prophecy. He had been a, a magi. And I think that that combined with the stars rising in the sky was all they needed in order to start traveling west. If you want to take it one step further, what if they also had one of the scrolls of Isaiah? Now, if they didn't have their own scroll, there were plenty of synagogues in Iran and Iraq during this time in history. They could have just gone down to, and you know how religious guys hang together and talk about stuff. They, they, could, have, they could have said, could we borrow your Isaiah scroll or could we sit with you and, and, and learn what Isaiah said about Messiah? We're thinking the Jewish Messiah is supposed to be born soon. And they would have opened up, what, Isaiah chapter nine. And what does Isaiah say? The people in, walking in darkness have seen a great light. Imagine I looked at each other. We saw a great light last night. Unto us, Israel, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Whoa. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Wait a minute. This isn't just a king of the Jews. This is God being born. Everlasting Father. Wait, he's the son. How come he's called the father? Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne with justice and righteousness forever. Wow. I was just thinking uh, later in Isaiah, if the wise men did have a copy of the scroll, they even knew what gifts to bring Jesus. Look at Isaiah 60. Nations will come to your light. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Your sons come from afar, bearing gold and incense. Gifts from the Magi, packed with symbolic meaning. Gold is what you give to a king. Frankincense is how you supply a priest using frankincense in the daily sacrifice and ceremonies, and myrrh, an expensive perfumed oil that you use to pour on and wrap a body that has recently passed away. 
Myrrh was actually worth five times as much as gold. If a rich person owned myrrh, it was used very sparingly in their lifetime as a fragrance. But then when they passed away, all of their myrrh would be smeared all over their body and wrapped as a sign of their wealth, but also a, a, a beautiful gesture towards someone uh, who had died. These are all three kind of crazy gifts to, to bring to a child. But remember, the wise men weren't seeing Jesus as a child. They saw him as a king who was also a priest, a king whose death would define him as much as his life. And the fact that they worshiped this king proves that these guys really saw Jesus as God because Zoroastrians do not worship people. They, they're, they're very slow to even bow down before other people. They only worship God. So by them coming and worshiping Jesus, it's very clear. These magi believed they were worshiping the only God that exists. Well, this, this one thought inspires what could be some interesting and lively conversations at your Christmas. As you gather with friends and family, you might ask, hey, you know the Christmas story. Which of the characters of the Christmas story do you best relate to? And somebody will say the little drummer boy or Santa Claus kneeling or whatever and ha ha ha. But the real story, what, what, who do you relate to? Do you relate to shepherds? Do you relate to Mary and Joseph? Do you relate to who do you? Uh, and, 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 and as you're thinking about those people, who did those people think Jesus was? Like who did Mary think Jesus was? Who did Joseph think Jesus was? And you don't have to make this stuff up. You can just read it. Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2. Who did Mary's aunt Elizabeth think Jesus was? How about the shepherds? Who did they think they were going to Bethlehem to find in a manger? How about the elderly man and woman in the temple that we talked about last weekend? Who did they think Jesus was? Who did Herod think Jesus was? And most importantly, I think, who do you think Jesus is? Is he God who came to earth to save us or is he someone else, uh, someone different than that? Maybe you're not sure. Or maybe you do have it figured out in your head, but it hasn't started uh, resonating in your heart, uh, and it hasn't really started reflecting in your behaviors yet. Or maybe you know Jesus is real, and you really believe he is God's son, but you're upset with him because of something that he did or didn't do for you. Maybe he, you just strayed from him a long time ago and you're just thinking, you know, it's really too late for me. I've, I've done too many things. I, I mean, we're all at different places in our faith journey. The important thing is that we keep moving forward in that journey. And I chose the Magi to talk about this year because, well, they remind me of so many of you. I mean, I, there, are those, there are those among us that I actually relate to better that grew up around scripture and around people to, you know, I kind of grew up like the Jerusalem Bible scholars. But when I read the story, that leads me to believe, oh, be careful, Steve, that you don't miss the point of the story. But some of us were raised afar. We, were raised, we come from afar. We, 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 we have a few scriptures that we kind of maybe knew, and maybe there were some other, some Christians that we, we had some admiration for, and, uh, and maybe we had some thoughts or feelings or, uh, but for the most part, we were left standing, looking up into the night sky, saying, God, if, if you're real, you know, show me a sign. I, I'd like to know that you're real. 
God knows all that about you. God, God's aware of that about you. He, and if, if, if I could give you some advice, that would be this. Just go with what you know. Do what the Magi did. Just pack up and start heading across the desert towards Jesus. Uh, and even if you feel like you're far from him, tomorrow will be a little less far. And the next day you'll be a little less far. And next thing you know, you'll be kneeling at his feet and turning and actually teaching the church people about who he really is. Just start moving toward what you've already figured out about Jesus. That's what faith is. Faith is moving forward on what you know and then waiting for the other things to come together and you figure them out in due time. But you, faith doesn't have you waiting until you intellectually have it all figured out. Faith has you moving forward when you've got half of it figured out. You don't have to have all the stars aligning for you to move. Just, just a couple of them need to come together for you to say, I got a gut feeling about, I would like to follow after after Jesus. Hmm. Christmas is often a season when people are thinking that. I think it's one of the reasons the devil keeps us so busy at Christmas. It's just so that we won't think the deeper thoughts. God, is, God pull, tugs on people's heart at Christmas. Christmas is a time when it's the easiest to get people to come to church. Why is that? Christmas is a time when it's the easiest to get people to share out of the excess of their own possessions to someone who has less than them. It's like the image of God is, comes out more naturally in people at Christmas time than at any other time. It's like that Jesus came into the image of man and then we are drawn to that, wanting to come more into uh, the image of God where, where we feel that, that, that pull, that, 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 that desire. We want to believe. Maybe that's you. Have you been feeling that nudge this year? Have you been feeling uh, that, even like as you're thinking about even New Year's resolutions, like I think I'm gonna try to get closer to, to God in, in 2018. Well, if that's the case, we would love to help you with that. I mean, this new series that we're, we're, we're starting right after the first of the year where we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna spend several months actually in the book of Mark, the first gospel, Mark is the first gospel to be written, the first good news that, that, that came out. The other gospel writers used Mark as a resource, but we're gonna go right back to the original one. And it would, get, it would be a chance for you if, you if you would come in January, February, uh, and, 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 and if you would say, well, I'm, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna learn as much as I can about Jesus so I can have a reasonable faith. I can, I can know what I need to know and I can just see, I wanna sit with those Christians Again and again and again. And I want to see if I could see myself becoming a part of them. Who knows? Maybe 2018 will be the year that you connect with God like never before. And connecting with your creator unlocks why you're on the planet in the first place and what God's purpose is for your life. We've all been created for a purpose. And only God knows that purpose. The closer you get to the Lord, the more likely you are to discover why he created you. And if when you discover why God created you, and we start living that out, it, it, there's so much happiness attached to that. You know, people are pursuing happiness all over the place, but you notice it's, it's hard to come by. It's fleeting. Sometimes if we would just sit still and say, God, why did you create me? And who did you create me to serve and to help? And, 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 and 
how are you going to teach me how to be the better version of me? And Jesus will speak to your heart and say, that's why I came, because I, I love you so much. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not a, a religious insider. I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not. And he'll say, no, it's, it's, the, it's the, the outsiders that I came for. Well, that's probably enough for now. But before we go, I, I want to extend this invitation across every one of our five campuses, as well as those of you that are watching online. Every year at Christmas, people come to our services um, who are ready to reconnect with God. Uh, they, they don't want to wait till the new year. Uh, they want to end this year knowing that they have reconnected with God. And maybe, maybe that's you. Um, Maybe you've never followed after Jesus and you've been, you've been feeling that compulsion lately. Or maybe you used to follow after him but something happened or just this slow fade and, and you're way out there and you're thinking, this is the perfect time for me to reconnect right around the holidays, right around Christ's birthday celebration. And I'll enter into the new year already reconnected. So I'd say before you leave today, don't leave the room you're in right now without finding those. In most of our campuses, the, the folks come and they're standing near the front. We've got different setups at different ones of the campuses. But uh, for, for you, to, for you to, to, to just pray with somebody and say, yeah, you know what Steve said? Uh, I'm reconnecting with the one who calls himself Emmanuel. God, God with us is what Emmanuel means. And uh, I'd love for you to leave today knowing that, uh, that God is with you. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, your only son, born on Christmas Day. We thank you, Jesus, for coming and the willingness to come, knowing even how your life was going to be. It was not going to be an easy life. When Mary and Joseph said yes, it didn't turn out to be easy for them. But easy and wonderful are sometimes two completely different concepts. And Lord, in the wonder of Christmas and the wonder of you coming, to reveal the God the Father to us. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to that and in doing so, draw closer to you. God, thank you for coming to earth to be with us. We wanna be with you too.